0: This is The Thomas Guide with your host, John Thomas. Welcome to The Thomas Guide. It's been a little bit. I uh, uh, Last week, I was swamped, wasn't able to get to the podcast, uh, but I appreciate you guys for tuning in. And the week before that with our podcast, I asked everyone that we were going to do an audio product only for just that week to see if you liked it, uh, if you didn't. Um, if I truly did have a face for radio and the results are in, uh, you guys be and clearly, and I do have a face for radio. So you love the, uh, in fact, the feedback I got from you guys. And again, thank you so much for that feedback. I, I really do appreciate it. Even when you're delivering bad news, but the feedback I received was that you guys are really listening for me and I'm not trying to brag, but that's, That's why you tune in. You don't tune in for my production staff, although they're great. Uh, You don't tune in for them. Uh, You don't necessarily tune in for the guests, although we're going to have some really interesting guests. So I think I'm going to keep doing that occasionally. But the essence of the show is me, John Thomas, the strategist. Uh, And you listen for that. And most of you are consuming it in a podcast or audio only format. So the verdict's in. We're just going to do a podcast from this point forward. It's a heck of a lot easier for me to do it that way. I can, I can focus on the content. I don't have to, uh, you wouldn't believe um, all the logistics and effort that goes into producing essentially a television show and a podcast on a bare bones staff and all of that. So uh, we're going to do a podcast, but I've got even better news. Uh, because it's a podcast only, what I'm going to be able to do here is do the Thomas Guide more regularly. Uh, it's not always going to be 45 minutes or an hour. Sometimes it's only going to be five minutes. Uh, sometimes it'll be 15 minutes. It really doesn't, it just depends. I'm not going to put a cap on it. Um, the, way I, the way I'd the way i like to do this is, you know, we've got this really slick studio built uh, that uh, it's a nice rig. Uh, all the bells and whistles, it's really, really cool. And when I'm in my office and my studio, I'll record from there. But, you know, I'm traveling a lot for work around the state and around the country, news quickly, and I think that you wanna hear from me after something's broken and it's been rehashed a bunch, I think you wanna hear from me right away. So today is a Monday, recording this, and my idea is I'm going to bring a handheld recorder with me in my briefcase so that no matter where I am, if something breaks, I've just got to get something off my chest because I think the fake media is wrong about something. I'll weigh in, I'll upload it to iTunes and uh, the Thomas Guide, uh, the um to my Twitter and Facebook, and go to iHeart's website and get it as well. And uh, you'll be able to get it more frequently. So, if you like that, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, if you don't, or even if you do like it, uh, please do tweet me at the Thomas Guide. Uh, you can go to thetguide.com and give me your feedback. So that's that. All right, getting into it. There's been a lot that's happened. I because I didn't do one last week. I'm not going to go back too far because I feel like last week might as well have been 10 years ago. So I want to talk about a few things of interest. Uh, First of all, this special election race in Georgia between John Ossoff and and Karen Handel. Uh, Democrats were saying that this was a bellwether race, that the Republicans are screwed in the midterms. That's not the case. First of all, let's just be clear that while it's good news to the Republicans that John Ossoff did not clench uh, 50% plus one and put this thing away last, what was it, Tuesday, it really, even if he had, it's still so early to get worked up either way about the midterms. We are an eternity away from that point. Uh, and yes, of course, Democrats want a, a ray of sunshine to grasp onto, to fire up their base as to why they're going to win in, in the midterms. But it's just too early. I mean, if we've learned anything, so that even a week's period of time, quite frankly, even 24 hours, could be a dramatically different news cycle and focus for the entire country. I mean, you remember, it feels like Syria was an eternity ago. That was two weeks ago. And that shift the conversation, quite frankly, away from Russia. And now where Trump was a shill for Russia, now he's aggressively going against Russia. And it's a standoff with North Korea and what Trump is doing to apply pressure there. By the way, I think he's doing a great job with North Korea and China. Um, so I think the med- the mainstream media and the Democrats wanted a big win here. They didn't get even a uh, glimmer of hope. Uh, now, what's going to happen in the runoff between John Ossoff and Karen Handel? Uh, John Ossoff, I believe, uh, let's see here, look at my notes. Uh, I believe he earned... Forty-six percent, um, and uh, and actually, no, I take it back. I think it was uh, about forty-eight uh, percent in the final, the final tally. And Karen Handel was something around nineteen percent. I can't remember the exact uh, results. But Karen Handel's a Republican. Uh, John Ossoff is the Democrat. Uh, John Ossoff is a thirty-year-old nothing. He has a weak resume. He worked for a few years in, the national, uh, in national security. Uh, thank you for his service, but he's really not that well accomplished. Um, he had really great ads. A, a friend of mine, um, Steve Murphy, made all the ads uh, for John Ossoff, the Dem. They make good spots. The Democrats spent about $8 million, which, to put that into perspective, for a typical congressional race in a place like Georgia, where the media market is incredibly cheap, inexpensive. I mean, that's like 10 times more than the tr- the regular spend for a congressional. Regular spend for a congressional is a couple hundred thousand, three to $500,000. They spent eight million because they thought that they had a shot here. And really it was beyond even this seat. It was really more about the national dynamics and what that, what that signal could send for the rest of the country. That's why they spent so much. But anyway, uh, running against Karen Handel, who's a Republican, I believe she's the Secretary of State or, or something like that. Now, here's the thing. My prediction tells me uh, that looking at the polling, uh, here's a couple of interesting takeaways. First of all, the polling was good. The public polling was accurate. Asaf um, was locked in between about 46 to 47% in every public poll. Uh, Karen Handel was about 17%. And that's about where it settled out. Uh, they had asaf below 50. So kudos to the public polling. Um, they, they got it right. Um, this district though, what's fascinating about trying to use it as a bellwether for Donald Trump. It's not really a Trump district. I think Trump, uh, Trump carried it by one. Okay. But it wasn't, uh, it, it looks much more like a Marco Rubio district or a Jeb Bush district. It's a moderate Republican district. So again, it's, It's not even a good bellwether as if Trump's support is fading. It never really was a strong Trump district. In fact, Asaf got exactly the same amount that Hillary Clinton won in the same race. So the real story here is the Democrats lined up behind the Democrat, and there were, I think, at least four or five Republicans with money, with real resources, all splitting up the Republican vote. And so what's going to happen is the Democrats are going to spend a lot of money again because they don't want to be embarrassed. The tighter they can make it, the better off it, it looks. But John Ossoff is going to lose. The Republicans are kind of Republican. And even though John Ossoff got sick in the early vote, which is strong, on election day, he got crushed and it walked him all the way back to below 50. And I think that's about where he's going to uh, settle out, the... Election day voters, again, uh, once the partisans take their sides, uh, election day voters that are truly undecided are going to break toward Karen Handel. She's a good candidate. Uh, By the way, just as a side note, I I think it's funny to me um, how the mainstream media completely overlooks the fact that in this race, the Republicans are backing a female Republican with real, with a real record of accomplishment in elected in public office. I mean, a real record of accomplishment. The Democrats are backing a white male 30 something with no real record of anything. Um, <laughs> I just think it's funny uh, that Democrats talk about how uh, Republicans are um, so male dominant but here is a good example of where Republicans are putting everything into a female accomplished merit-based candidate. And I haven't heard one mainstream media outlet, not even Fox draw attention to that fact. So, um, it's interesting. Uh, let's see. So I've Nate Silver, I, I looked at, you know, Nate Silver is the the polling guru from 538. He, uh, he leans the left, uh, I, I do read his stuff, but I disagree with it in some, in some cases. Uh, he's way off in in some the Ted Cruz Senate reelect, uh, in my opinion. Um, he's saying that the runoff looks close right now, with that caveat of right now in Georgia, okay, uh, with this John Ossoff-Karen Handel race. And that is pollster lie speak. The runoff looks close today. Well, that's true. Because the Republicans haven't yet coalesced around the one Republican because they're all kicking the snot out of each other in basically a primary, right? A jungle primary. Uh, So that's right, Nate. But once Karen Handel does her job and explains what she's for and communicates to all the people that didn't vote for her on the Republican side, and she reminds those Republicans about how liberal John Ossoff is, they will coalesce around her and... Uh, she will win. So, I just think it's disingenuous for credible pollsters like a Nate Silver to say, "Oh, the race looks close." It's actually not. Okay, perhaps today, but I don't give a rip about today. My job is to not just figure out where it, <laughs> is to take a look at where things stand today, of course, and then look at where the trend lines are going to go, and then try to figure out what's going to happen on election day. That's what I want to know. Okay. With how we get to, for for instance, um, you know, they say a poll is just a snapshot in time. Often time predictive. Um, uh, Polls can be predictive, by the way. Uh, But absolutely, I want to know where my candidates are today, okay? Because I know where I need them to be on election day, 50% plus one. And if they're not there, or even if they are there, then strategy will dictate what we have to do to get them from point A to point B, right? So we want to know where they are today, but each side, your opponent and my candidate, has a vested interest typically in changing the direction of where the polls are today. So anyway, Nate's, he's not wrong, but he's wrong. He's using kind of pollster speak, and this is why polling can be so misleading because you can take, the data and kind of pull out nuggets that suit your cause. I pride myself on not doing that. I don't do, I certainly don't do that for my candidates, but I don't do that when I'm on CNN or when I'm on KFI or Fox or any other outlet. So um, that's it. Uh, John Ossoff's going to lose. Big nothing burger at the end of the day. All right. Trump has a big, big week or bigly week. Ahead of him, this week uh, it is coming up on his first hundred days. He, a lot of people are making much, much of uh, much of a big deal about this. Do the hundred days really matter? Uh, yes and no. Uh, I don't. Well, hundred days matter from the standpoint of typically your political capital is the hottest, is the most uh, impactful in your first hundred days. So yes, it does matter from that standpoint. But if you look at uh, by just way of accomplishment, Trump has actually gotten quite a few things done. Namely, the biggest thing, the most impactful thing he could possibly have done. It's one word, Gorsuch. He ran through Neil Gorsuch in record time, despite not a single Democrat, you know, breaking, basically. Uh, that has done more, I think, for the United States than anything else he could have possibly done. And I think that'll speak more volumes at the end of the day to the, certainly the religious right the cons- and the conservative base that voted Trump in. He came through on a solid. He did what he said he would do, which was Gorshitz. But he also uh, in- has installed his cabinet, Yes, he is has positions still yet to fill. That's a much more complicated answer. He's kind of behind the eight ball. It's kind of the Democrats' fault. It's kind of Trump's fault. I'm not too worried about uh, sub cabinet positions, honestly. Uh, at at this point, uh, he's executed a number of executive orders. He killed TPP, uh, which you know he was consistent on the campaign trail. He did that. Dropped a bomb in Syria. Um, he um he signed what i what i think is actually a, a great bill uh or executive order which it mandates every person who works in the white house to sign a pledge uh or to sign a, a document actually it's a legal document that they will not lobby um uh, the white house for any for, ever for any foreign governments and they will not lobby the white house for 5 years after they leave the white house it's actually That's a pretty good government policy. Now, sad reality is lobbying is like water. You know, it always finds a way. It's that kind of thing, but it's a step, I think, in in the right direction. Now, the the trouble about the 100 days is you're finding that the media loves playing these gotcha moments. Oh, well, Trump talked about his first 100 days and all the things that he was going to get through, and he didn't get through all of them. Yeah, that's true. He did make a big deal out of it, but so does every candidate ever. Um, it's funny, Democrats, but actually more importantly, the media love this game of gotchas. They can't say, well, Trump did say that, but the reality might be slightly different of, you know, um. When he's actually sitting in the chair or the Democrats are a level of obstructionist we've never seen before. No, no, no. It's just they say, well, you, you're basically, you're a liar, Trump, but they want to keep going after it. Uh, that, that's uh, un, that's really unfortunate. Um, this week, you're going to see a big show, uh, a showdown on the government shutdown. The budget has to get approved. And the reason this budget's important is not just shutting down the government, uh, which is I don't think you're going to see any Democrats vote for it, but luckily we don't necessarily need them. Now, because we don't, we won't get any Democrat votes out of the House, what does that mean? That means that minority groups in the Republican Congress have a lot more power than they traditionally did for years. That means that the Freedom Caucus, and there's a component of the Freedom Caucus that are just off the rails. I mean, they are such purists that, Unless they get 100% of everything they want, they will never vote for something Trump wants. And that's a serious problem. Um, I'm not sure how that gets rectified because it is that that single-handedly is killing Trump. Um, What does the budget look like? Will there be money for the wall? My prediction is he's not going to get money for the wall outright yet. What he's going to get is money to start the wall. So that'll be architectural... Uh, security analysis, etc. Patrol strengthening uh, resources, things like that. But I think Trump's administration will cave on not demanding outright that they get 100% funding for the wall. I think Trump's going to have to roll out a whole separate budget proposal just for that wall. And it's going to have to be a combination of tariffs with Mexico and whatnot. That, that's an ongoing thing, but he does need to deliver something along the lines of the wall. And I do think that, while Democrats are quick to say that he's a liar over his 100 days and not building the wall on day one, I think Republicans, although they would like to see that wall built, I think they have a longer time horizon of what they're looking at. If he gets it done in 200 days, they will be just as happy, quite, quite frankly. Uh, so that's what we're going to watch for this week. Now, uh, the other thing to to keep an eye out for is the White House Correspondents' Dinner is this week, and that's that dinner where the press and the president convene for one night and basically make fun of the president. Trump has attended that in the past when he wasn't president, but now, given his hostile relationship with the media, and quite frankly, theirs with him. Trump will not be attending the White House Correspondents' Dinner. I I think that's fine. I mean, they clearly hate each other's guts. I don't know why they would come together, uh, even for for one night. It'll just be an opportunity for them to take, you know, terrible shots at the president. So what is the president doing instead of going to the Correspondents' Dinner? He's holding a giant rally in Pennsylvania, okay? And here's why this is, this to me underscores why Donald Trump won the presidency. Because the press are all up in arms saying, how dare you snub us? You don't get it. You're out of touch. We are important, et cetera, et cetera. Meanwhile, Donald Trump is spending time with voters, working class folks, taking his message directly to them and going around the White House, are going around the um, White House correspondents and the elite liberal media and taking their, his message directly to them. That was the winning formula for him in the primary the general, and it continues to be, I think, his winning formula. So uh, keep keep in mind, that's going to play out. You're going to have, you know, Fox News is going to be wall-to-wall Trump uh, in Pennsylvania, and CNN and MSNBC will be White House Correspondents Center, where perhaps a tiny little split screen of Donald Trump in Pennsylvania. It will be fun to see the shade that each other, you know, Trump and the media throw at each other at the same, you know, at the same time slot (laughs) across the country. That, that'll be a lot of fun. All right. We like to cover polls on this show and there have been a ton of polls. So let me go through a few of these. Uh, So ABC came out, Gallup came out with a poll uh, there today. uh, Let's see, today, that's Monday. uh, Trump's job approval, they have him at 40, approve, 54, disapprove. That's about a five or six point bump higher than where he was a week or so ago. So even Gallup, that again, doesn't test likely voters, just tests what we call the general population or gen pop, um, has Trump doing better. Rasmussen, which leans to the right, has Donald Trump up another point at 51% approval, 49% disapproval. I think even though their turnout model does lean a little to the right, they use likely voters. So that is a good trend all around for Donald Trump. Uh, Now, Rasmussen asked the direction of the country question if you think we're on the right track or wrong track. Uh, Right track is 42, wrong track is 52. He could do better at those numbers. He's got to crack 50%. Once he cracks 50 on right direction, right track, he's okay and and he's safe in safe territory. That means he's going to be fine. He's still under a little bit of water. Now, by comparison, most polling, including Rasmussen, had right track, wrong track for the last two or so years under Barack Obama at almost 78% wrong track. It's only at 52% now. Now, to be fair, generally presidents have a honeymoon period. Um, And and that... uh, That honeymoon period is the first 100 days. They usually peak up, like spike up. Their approvals are in the high 50s or 60s, and the right track, wrong track is usually flipped uh, because people feel more optimistic and elections behind them, et cetera, et cetera. So Obama was not underwater at all with his right track, wrong track um, when he first started out. Now, he was... um, his approvals remained quite robust throughout his presidency, especially as he, as he ended. But, the, but while people personally liked Barack Obama, or a lot of people did, they didn't approve of the direction of the country and his policies. And so that's really why Hillary Clinton you know, ended up losing. It was, it was that discrepancy. Barack Obama wasn't on the ballot. Hillary Clinton was. Barack Obama's policies were on the ballot. Um, and so that's, that's why Hillary Clinton lost. But uh, so here's the thing. Um, the direction of the country is, he- is starting to get better, at least in terms of voters opinions, but he still has to do better. Now, uh, congressional job approval, according to the, uh, the public policy, uh, poll, which is, uh, it's okay. It's not a terrible poll. I don't, not my favorite one, um, is 18% approval. Okay. 18%. That's about where Congress has been for the last four years. People hate Congress. Here's a really interesting note. People tend to hate Congress, but if you ask them about their Congress person, on average, people like their Congress person, but they hate Congress. It's the same thing where people don't like Sacramento, but they like their assembly member. It's a, it's a strange, strange split. Um, the same thing with uh, was interesting, and this is general population, public approval of the current Obamacare. Uh, you're seeing 47 percent favorite, thirty one percent disapprove of it. I think these numbers are actually incorrect, only because focus has shifted away from how bad Obamacare is. it's, foc- it's shifted to um, it's shifted to a lot of other things at the current moment, uh, Syria, North Korea, um, just a myriad, a myriad of things. So I, I don't think that's actually the reflection of what people think of Obamacare, but Trump does and his team need to look at that. And, uh, and he did as a warning sign that they better off a, offer a darn good alternative to Obamacare because people are skeptical right now. Uh, there was a failure to launch last go around. So, so those are the numbers, um, it's always interesting to watch these things. Again, it's too early to make predictions about the midterms, and certainly too early to, to say whether or not Trump will be reelected. Although I like making predictions, uh, especially as I'm, I, I start to see early indicators, and I do have a I do have a prediction uh, of where I think where I think Trump's going to be in four years. I think Trump is probably going to win. I don't think Trump ever received the honeymoon period and he never will. And that's just the state of affairs. It was an incredibly polarizing election. Um, Democrats hate him probably more than any Republican ever. Trump makes it easy, but that's just the state of things. I think Trump will win for a couple of reasons. One is the economy is improving. I mean, dramatically. Really good jobs are are being created here. Uh, because they're enthusiastic that they're not going to be assaulted for the first time in eight years by a president. So they're investing capital and taking risk and all that. Uh, But I also think the Democrats are overplaying their hand and overplaying their hand by feigning outrage that, and they have since the campaign trail, but they continue to do it with all the protests. And um, I mean, you just, you just name it. The mainstream media plays into this a lot is that, you know, we would be in a full, we should be, By today, we should have been in a full nuclear holocaust. The Russia should have taken over the United States government by now. Um, The dollar would have collapsed. Uh, Our allies would no longer be speaking to us. You know, they just overplayed it that Trump was so bad that whether you like him or not, even if you don't like him, he hasn't been that bad, even if you don't like him. If you like him, he's been pretty good. Okay, I don't need to go through all the reasons again. So I think the Democrats have cried wolf and overplayed their hands so far that they've lost credibility now with messaging against the president. Even when there are opportunities to do that fairly, they've lost credibility. And for that, I believe they will lose. But time will tell. There's gonna be a lot more polls uh, between now and the midterms. So we will cover those as as they come about. Um, there was one one other poll I, I'd like to go through. Uh, this is an interesting poll. Um, a new survey, let's see who did the survey. Oh, uh, a company called uh, Precision Sample, um, which polled a couple hundred building managers and building owners, real estate developers um, in, in uh, let's see, the end of December. And what they... What they found is, is really quite funny. Um, let's see. They found that uh, broadband and Wi-Fi was more important to their tenants than, than clean underwear uh, for t- apartment dwellers. <laughs> um, it says about 34% of respondents ranked Wi-Fi access as the most important feature for apartment living, followed by about 25% who thought high-speed internet was number one. Um, Comcast, I guess, commissioned, uh, commissioned the sur- survey. Um, anyway, it, it, it cracks me up, um, because people do think, I mean, honestly, Fi and, you know, your broadband internet really without that, what do you, <laughs> what do you have? You're completely disconnected from the world. I would rather free ball it if it were me. Um, anyway, so that, that's our fun poll for the week. There's going to be a lot more, I'm sure, coming up this week. I'm going to try my best to hop on and off uh, the Thomas Guide throughout the week whenever news breaks. Hell, I may even just do it from my cell phone if I don't have my slick, fancy mobile recorder with me on, on the go. Quality won't be as great, but the content of the information will be just as great and just as timely. So uh, feel free to email us. Uh you can uh you can go to the, the That's theteguide.com, or you can tweet me or direct message me at the Thomas Guide on Twitter. Of course, Thomas Guide on Facebook will have it up there. You can private message us there. I want to hear your feedback. Truly, truly I do. This is evolving product. I have a bunch of fun with it. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Thomas Guide. I will talk to you guys soon. Thanks again. Bye.